Well, kia ora te whanau, ki a tau, ki a koutou, te aroha no me te rangimārie. Grace and peace to you all. Uh, and to us, us all, really, as we begin to look forward to possibly lockdown level two and a few more freedoms, you know, like seeing each other again. That'd be nice. You know, it's funny, really, the beginning of lockdown level four, it was kind of nice to, you know, to raise the drawbridge and to kind of withdraw back into your home and just enjoy being a family or as couples and spending time with each other. That was nice. I know Julie and I enjoyed that time. She had to work three days a week still, but we had more time than we've had for a long time. We really enjoyed it. We also had our, our fourth son, our, our cat, join us as well. Uh, although after a few weeks, you know, you can only you can only go so deep with a cat, really, you know, ambitions, dreams, uh, aspirations, hobbies. Can't really go very far with a cat in that, really. Um, point is, we just want to be together again. And uh, I, I miss worshipping together. I, I miss praying together. I miss hearing the word of God together and hanging out with each other. And so I'm looking forward to level two to happen and the level one and beyond. Of course, the economists are telling us that the worst in some respects is still to come in terms of the economy. Everything is contracting and there's unemployment on the way and hardship on the way. That's what they are saying. So there's no, no doubt about it. This, this season called COVID-19, we're still not through it yet. We've got a long way to go. And yet it's interesting, isn't it, that even in a time like this, a time of hardship, it can also have moments of opportunity as well, can't it? I don't know whether you've felt this. Moments of opportunity. By that I mean moments where we've stopped and taken stock and reevaluated some things and, and asked ourselves some questions like, how do I want to live? You know, when this is all over, do I want to go back to the running around chasing my tail like I did before? Or do I want to live differently? What's important to me now? Is there a fresh direction for my life that I can take? I wonder if you felt that. I know many people have said that to me, that this is how they felt. So amazing. In a, in a moment, of, a season of, of upheaval, there can be moments of opportunity. And the thing is, I don't think the Bible is silent about those times. I think the Bible has got a lot to teach about seasons of upheaval that become moments of opportunity. And uh, in fact, this morning, I want to look at one of those passages that speaks to a time like ours. And the passage is way back in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 6, famous passage. Isaiah chapter 6. You might want to turn to it in your Bibles from the first verse through to about verse 8. Let's just read the passage, shall we? It goes like this. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, that's angels, uh, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, with which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. <laughs> Wonderful, famous passage. And I want to look at it this morning because what you've got is a time in history. Really, uh, where you've had a long time of stability that's rocked by a sudden COVID-19 type upheaval and which then becomes a time of opportunity and fresh direction. That's what I think you've got here. I wanted to show you what I mean by that. So, so look with me at the first verse of chapter 6. It starts simply like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, now that phrase is really important for context, all right? Because King Uzziah was an extraordinary Judean king. And he's extraordinary really for just one thing, and it's this. He reigned such a long time. For 52 years, he reigned as the Judean king, which in any century is remarkable, but in the ancient world, it's almost unheard of. It, it's just, it just doesn't happen. And that's because in the ancient world, of course, things are so much more hostile back then. There's so much more instability. There are always factions vying for power. There are always enemies wanting to invade. And so in the ancient world, kings don't last for very long at all, for maybe a few years, maybe a few months, sometimes only a few days. It's such a time of hostility, yet this king, he reigned for 52 years. And what that meant, you see, by definition, was that the Judean kingdom for years had only known stability and peace. You see, back then the king was the state. The king decided how things should be. And so for this king to reign so long meant that the, the kingdom settled down into a time of, of routines and predictability and, and jobs and, and festivals and, and uh, family entertainment year after year, steady, predictable routine. And, and 52 years is a very long time. People would have grown up knowing only stability. And then we read that the king is dead. And listen, when we think the coronavirus has, has, has shocked us and appalled us, listen, back then this event, the death of the king was like the coronavirus hitting, you know, times 20. All right, because it was a horrible shock for the king to die. It was terrifying because back in the ancient world, when the king died, look, society itself could crumble. Things could fall apart. Thousands could be killed in the chaos and the mayhem that would follow as, as factions vied and fought each other, as neighboring countries looked on and said, oh, now's the time to invade. Incredible instability. So if you were a Judean, a Jew at that time in, in, in Judea, man, you would have felt like your whole world had collapsed. And the terror of the future, what it would hold for you. You know, what about my family, my life? The nation is going to just be destroyed. You know, the sense of, of fear would have been just huge. And yet it's interesting, as we read on, we'll find that for Isaiah, at least, this terrible COVID-19 season, this time of instability, actually becomes a moment of real opportunity for him. 
And if you ask, well, Pete, why is that? Well, I'll be totally upfront immediately, and I'll say this. I, I think it's because, because of all that was going on and around Isaiah at that time, all of the upheaval that was going on, I think it pushed him into a time of, of profound, profound prayer encounter with God. And you can see that in the passage here, can't you? You can sense it. You know, it says, he says, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, train of his robe, filling the temple. And there are, there are angels shouting to each other, holy, 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 and whole earth is full of his glory. And the doorposts of the temple are shaking with what he's seeing. I mean, this is an amazing encounter with God. But this is an important thing to note. Isaiah is in the place of prayer when this encounter happens. All right, he's, he's in the temple. Now, he may have often visited the temple, but the point is, at this time of upheaval and of turbulence, this is where he is, in the temple, the place of prayer, the presence of God. And immediately, I, I just want to point out the obvious, in this season that we're in, I can't think of a better place for us to be with all that's going on in the world and in our lives right now, to be genuinely pressing into God at this time has got to be a good thing. And it's a good thing for Isaiah because as we'll go on to see, this is what turns a time of upheaval into a time of opportunity for him. Yeah? In fact, we'll go on to see that there are at least, at least three things that come out of Isaiah's prayer encounter that blesses him and that sets him up for the future. Three things. Three things that I'd argue we need to know in the time of upheaval that we're in. Three things. So here we go. First thing. First thing I see here in this passage that what prayer can give us at this time is, is simply this. It's, it's true perspective. True perspective. I mean, Isaiah, as he prays, he encounters this astonishing vision of God in all of his sovereign glory, all right? And it is glorious, filling the temple, huge angels, holy, holy, holy. I can't even imagine what that must have looked like. And yet, actually, the vision that he's seeing is nothing less than the truth, than the truth, than reality, all right? Because the Bible clearly teaches us that God is sovereign and glorious. He reigns, doesn't matter what's going on the earth, whatever we're facing, the fact is, the truth is, he reigns above every rule, authority, and power. He is sovereign. Glorious reign. That's biblical truth. And it's like Isaiah, in his place of prayer, it's like the clouds lift and he sees things as they truly are. The sovereign, glorious God. You know, it reminds me of when our kids were smaller and we used to go skiing. You know, we got up to the mountain. Uh, Mount uh, Ruruapehu, and some of you have done that before, but we used to go up on a, on a Friday night in the winter, so it would be dark before we got near the mountain. It was dark and sometimes it would be rainy and we'd unpack the car. And I, I remember unpacking the car a few times and looking up into the darkness thinking, you know, somewhere up there, there is a mountain, but I just can't see it. It's just so bleak and miserable. And then the next day, I remember one particular day getting up and the sun was shining and I looked up and all I could see was this majestic mountain and all of its glory and it's like that was always there and that is the reality and uh, I think that's what we're seeing here with Isaiah as he's praying he suddenly the clouds lift and he sees things as they really are 
And I think that's what prayer does. It's why it's so important at this time, because really what we're seeing and hearing through the media is anything but that. You know, it's all about misery. It's all about hardship. It's about economic recession. It's about things will never be the same again. It's sad story after sad story. And if that's all you're seeing, then no wonder you start feeling fearful or down or confused. But listen, as we draw near to God, we are positioning ourselves to see another perspective. And true prayer is watching the clouds rise and seeing things as they truly are. Hallelujah. And as Isaiah is in the temple praying, he sees the glorious truth. Holy, 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 the earth is filled with his glory. Yes, the king is dead, the nations are raging, but our sovereign God is on the move throughout the earth. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In fact, Isaiah prophesies that a few chapters on. That's what Isaiah sees as he sees, as he begins to pray. Now, now that's what true prayer does in this time of upheaval. Now, I can't promise you that you'll see angels and splendor the way Isaiah did. But what I can promise you as you pray is what the Bible promises us. And the Bible promises me that if I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. All right? That's the promise. He will draw near to me. Hallelujah. He will draw us into a truer perspective of his glory through his word, right? Through the spirit. As we pray the word, as we pray in the spirit, he will draw us closer to a true perspective of himself. So that's, a, that's the first thing. And that in itself feeds us with a new expectation and faith for the future. And so that's why praying like this at this time is so key and so important to us. Amen? Amen. That's the first thing, true perspective. Second thing prayer does for Isaiah is this. It brings to him a deep awareness of his own need of God and the mercy of God. And that's very important too. See, just look at this. Look at verse 5, all right? He's seen God's glory. And verse 5 continues. He says in response, Woe is me. For I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. It's a powerful moment, all right? Isaiah has just seen the glory of God, and in the light of the holy splendor of God, suddenly he sees himself as he truly is. And it's a bit like shining a bright light into the corner of your lounge at home, you know, the, the, the corner you don't get to easily with a vacuum cleaner, you know, you, and you suddenly you see things there that you didn't see before. You see the crumbs and you see the, the dead flies and you see the dust. This bright light shines in there. And that's kind of what's happening with Isaiah, the brightness of God's holiness suddenly revealing to Isaiah his, his uncleanness, his unimpressiveness, and his smallness. It's what he suddenly sees. And it's like Isaiah is left thinking, I have nothing in myself, nothing impressive. Even what I thought was something, my talents, my godliness, amounts to nothing in the light of the holiness of God. And suddenly he's, he's, he's there knowing his need of the mercy of God. 
And of course, that gives room for God to respond. And God does, doesn't he? He, he comes to him and he atones for him and he cleanses him and he welcomes him in. And the point is this, that in times of instability and uncertainty, to know that we are not impressive, but that he is merciful and kind and wants to include us in his great plan, that he loves us is a beautiful and releasing thing and encourages our souls. Listen, the world around us may be shaking and we don't know what's going to happen in terms of our jobs or our income. But listen, we can know this. We are small. I can know this. I am small. I am unimpressive. I fail here and there. But God is happy to cleanse me and welcome me in. I am loved. I find that a beautiful comfort and encouragement at a time like this. That's why prayer can be so powerful at, at this time. It puts us in a place to genuinely receive mercy from him. You see, when things are easy, we don't even think about these things. We're just too busy running in circles, doing what we always do. But at moments of upheaval and moments when we see his majesty and, our, and we have our own unimpressiveness revealed, suddenly we're in a place of humility. God, I need you. And God rushes to us and is happy to bless us. So I just want to urge you, draw near to God. Allow him to draw near to you and shine with his spirit into your soul. Let him, let him shine in and reveal those, those places of inability and failure in you. That you might draw on him for his ability and his cleansing and his healing. That's the opportunity you have praying in a time like this. Right, so that's number two. And this leads me to the last thing, the third thing, that praying at a time like this gives me. And it's simply this. It puts me in the place. It positions me to receive fresh direction and fresh commissioning from God for the future. That's what I see here in this passage. I, I just love verse 8, all right? Uh, it says here, Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So Isaiah, he's drawn near to God in prayer. He's encountered the glorious perspective of who God is. He's felt small and unimpressive by comparison. He's become aware of God's mercy. And now his response is simple, really. It's simply this. Here I am, send me. Which is another way of saying, Lord, I give myself to you. It, it's worship. It's pure worship. It's total surrender. It, it kind of reminds me of the song that we used to sing. We don't sing it quite so much these days. It's that song, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, I live for you alone. That song and that's the kind of song that Isaiah is singing in these words here here I am Lord send me it's it's total total surrender and that's the kind of song that you will sing when you meet God in prayer in the way that we've been describing seeing his glory knowing your failures but receiving his mercy that's what it does to you it puts you in the place where God can pick you up cleanse you and recommission you and that's what's going on here. And honestly, in the times that we are facing, 
This is where God wants us to be now, surrendered to him. Why? So that he can send us. So that he can commission us. So that he can launch us in the fresh direction. You see, at a time like this, we might be taking stock. We might be reevaluating our lifestyle. But actually, I want to have his commissioning and his leading. And that's what we get here. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? When Isaiah says, here I am, send me, he doesn't actually ask God first where God is going to send him. It's not like he says to God, okay, Lord, tell me where you're going to send me first and then I'll decide whether I'll go or not. No, it doesn't happen like that at all. No, God doesn't tell him anything first. No, actually, God is after a surrendered heart. And Isaiah doesn't want to know. It's like, Lord, wherever it is, Lord, I surrender to you. I worship you. It's that total surrender. And listen, in the same way you and I, we don't know how things will go in the world. We'll get through level two and level one and, and beyond at some point, but we don't know fully what the impact will be yet. We don't know how things will go in our lives, but the opportunity we have right now is to lay our lives in the hands of God as an act of worship and receive a fresh commission from him. You see, that's the true opportunity of this time of upheaval. That's the moment we're in. I said earlier that upheavals can bring opportunity, and this is the real opportunity. It's more than just restocking or reevaluating your lifestyle. It's more than just coming up with a few clever ideas. No, it's coming to God. Lord, I want to be commissioned by you. And this is why this time of praying is so important right now. It brings, us, it brings us true perspective as to the glory of God. It brings us a true understanding of our need of him. It puts us in a place to receive his mercy. And it puts us into the place of surrender before him that we might truly hear and have the commissioning and launching of God into the future. And that's what I want. And that's the opportunity that we have. So I want to just urge you as I close, listen, as you come out of this lockdown, aim to come out with a fresh direction and purpose. Not just you evaluating on your own, but you positioning yourself to hear genuinely from God. That is God's heart for you this morning. I don't want to drift back into the way things were. I genuinely want to come before God and say, God, please, I surrender. I am yours. Send me. So let's push the boundaries of prayer. Let's press in. Let's come back to true perspective. Let's know our need. Let's receive his mercy. And let's receive his fresh commissioning into the future. Let's pray. In fact, let's pray right now, shall we? Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you that even in this time of uncertainty, I want to thank you that in this is a massive opportunity. It's you, Lord, drawing us aside that we might come close to you, that you might draw near to us, that you might reveal again how wonderful and splendid and majestic and sovereign you are, that we might come again to an understanding that of ourselves we are unimpressive and we need you. And then, Father, as we come, we say, please move upon us, commission us afresh, give us your sense of direction. You lead us. You launch us. You speak to us at this time. I pray that out of this season will come new ministries, new vision, new prophetic, a new sense that God is speaking to me. 
Father, I pray that for each one of us now. And I pray it for us as a people and as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. We're going to close with a song now. In fact, we're going to close with that song I mentioned earlier, that old song. Jack's going to lead us in it. And as he does, I want to challenge you. Just come before God right now and say, God, as I sing this, I sing it to you. Here I am. Send me. Help me to redirect. Help me to realign my praying. Help me to, to stretch the boundaries. Help me to seek you deeper at this time more than ever before. Hallelujah. As we sing a song, as you join in, just allow God to speak to you. God bless you. Let's keep looking forward to all that God has for us. The best is truly yet to come. But it will come as we seek his face. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.